As the choir is uh, being seated, would you stand? And we're going to read the scriptures that are on the front of your bulletin. Uh, The first is called the Great Commission, and the second is the Great Omission. So let's see what we got here. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, And these are the last words that Jesus said. Uh, He left it. Those are the most precious words of all. So are you ready to read these? The Great Commission? Are you ready? Huh? Huh? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Here we go. Um, I'm not ready. I'm on the wrong page. Okay. Here it is. Matthew 28. Um, Here goes. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. In your mind, in your Bibles, would you circle the word disciples? Now we're going to go to what is um, the great omission, according to Dallas Willard and according to what I believe, too. Ready for this one? Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and following. Are you ready? Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would you bow with me? Lord, this is a tall order. And it's something that we can only do as you would motivate us. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning to the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance, the power of your might. Remind us that you did step out of eternity into time. You went to the cross, you you died, you rose again for us. That must mean you really care. Lord, uh, you've got something to say to each of us, including me. So may your word leap off the pages into our hearts that we might leave this place changed and um, focused in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Uh, Have any of you and all of you probably played the game hide and seek? I'm not looking for a raise of hands because I know all of you play the game hide and seek. Uh, I was thinking that it's sort of a gleeful game of great intrigue and deception. Well, when I was eight years old, um, I did something to provoke my mother. I did a lot of things to provoke my mother. And uh, not just at eight. I mean, my whole life I was provoking and irritating and kind of just antagonizing, not intentionally, just the way it normally was. (sighs) Well, anyhow... um, She was mad at me, and I knew that I had to face the music. So rather than face the music, I hid, hid in the closet. And then I listened in. Uh, My parents are German, so my mother would always call me Shorshi. Well, let Shorshi go. He uh, must have run out the door. If I find that guy, I'm going to really whack him. And then, uh, you know, where is that guy? I can hear her. She's running all over. She's really mad. And you know, the delightful part of being in the closet is you can hear all of it, but they can't find you. 
And it's like, you don't want to run away because you miss all this. So my dad enters in and he, he said, Emily, you finally did it. You finally chased him away. He has left and he'll never come home. We'll never have our son again. What have you done? You, and what was fun for me is I was listening in on this and thinking, boy, they must really love me. I mean, they are so upset, so worried, so beside themselves. That, and it just got to be more and more fun. Until they opened the door. <laughs> Did you know that you and I play this game all the time with God? Hide and seek. It all started in the garden, you know. Adam, Eve, where are you? And if you stop and you think, and if you're a student, or even if you're not a student of the Old Testament, the New Testament, it is thematic through every major character, every major player in the Old and New Testaments. Hide and seek. Well, for example, if I were to take you into the Corinthian church, and I'll just give you an idea of it, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says to the church, he says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual, but worldly, uh, because you are just like infants. I'm having a spoon feed you milk. You know, you're still upchucking, you're still pooping in your pants. You do everything that is, you are immature. You're not ready. Not ready. Well, the reason for it, and if you read that, you'll find out there is jealousy, there is quarreling, there is bickering. I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of this or that. And in the process, something is radically missing. Let's see if we can figure out what it is. The Great Commission, I wanted you to really circle the word disciples. And in the great omission, the word all. There's a book uh, that we've been studying as a staff. It's called The Great Omission by Dallas Willard. I think it's a terrific book. It was really challenging to me. And in there is a quote from Henry Nouwen. And it's up on the board for you to read. Nothing conflicts in the church. With the love of Christ, like service to Christ. That kind of hit me between the eyes. It's the same commentary on the Corinthian church as it is on the church today. We sometimes think we're really doing God a favor by serving him, by showing up on Sunday, by doing whatever it is that we do. And we do it as unto the Lord. And we're convinced that that's um, really what it's all about. The activity, the programs, the potlucks, all this stuff. Except we forget to check in on the issue of the love of Christ. It's so easy to serve him, yet not love him. That could be where it broke down for the Corinthian church. I think it did. That's where I think it may break down for us. What is a disciple? You might just tuck this away. My terminology is an apprentice for Christ in training. It's more than a student. It's more than a theological graduate. It is an apprentice. I am uh, wanting to see and follow Christ and then do what he does. A student. But more than a student, an apprentice. I'm learning the trade. Well, let's start at square one so we can figure this out. We're going to start with you. That's you right there. 
Um, that is called the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. It pretty much rotates around me, my life, what I need, my needs, uh, what I want, my stuff. If you happen to be included a little bit, fine. If not, fine. And when I go out to lunch or dinner by myself, they ask me, how many uh, are there of you to be seated? There are three of us, but I'm only paying for one. Me, myself, and I. And isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way we are? If you admit it, that's we'll call the natural man, the natural woman. And this is uh, even a song was written, the natural woman. I'm a natural woman. I won't sing it for you. <laughs> but uh, that's how we start out. That's who we are. And that's where most of us stay. Honestly, the scripture says that the road to destruction is very broad. Everyone rides this road. Uh, our culture conditions us. Um, our, uh, our surroundings scream it at us. You. You're the most important. You're the master of your fate. You're the captain of your soul. You're in it for you. I mean, after all, those don't take care of you, but you. Well, that's where most people go, even to their grave. But some people begin to dig a little deeper. And they said, Jesus, there's got to be more. something missing, huh? Something missing. Pascal said it was a God-shaped vacuum, and he said it can't be filled by any created thing, by only by God the Creator is made known through Jesus Christ. Augustine, who was a playboy, said, My heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Well, so something comes up, something stirs us, something gets under us, and we would say that uh, suddenly... We see Christ on his terms, that I can come to him. And he does offer forgiveness. And he does offer a new life. And he does offer freedom. And I can't find that anywhere else. In fact, there's the picture of the church. I mean, the cross right behind us. And one would call this a Christian. I come to him on his terms. In the quiet of my heart, I reach out and I say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me and fill me. And, and he does. He comes into our life and he forgives us and we walk with him and we're sold out to him for a time. That's called a Christian. Did you know the word Christian is found only three times in the New Testament? Just three. There's another word called disciple, and it's found 269 times, the word disciple. Now, after a time of being a Christian, I think there's a restlessness. There's always a restlessness. There's still something missing. What is it that's missing? In all honesty, if the church found this that was missing, it would be an incredible statement of the love of Christ all over the world. But in all honesty, the church, in my opinion, is impotent. It's powerless. It just seems to rotate around me and Jesus in my jammies. I met a lot of people there. You know, church isn't important. Other people aren't important. All I do is get up in the morning and read my Bible and, uh, and in my pajamas and read the paper, the Rocky Mountain News, and me, Jesus, in my jammies. And that's it. <laughs> Something's missing. Really radically missing. I hope you would be honest enough with yourself. I am with myself. I have really been challenged. 
There is something that's still missing in the word is discipleship. What is this thing then that's discipleship? I know a Christian means Christ follower, but how then do I do this? That which is still missing, that which is thematic through the Old and New Testaments and in the Corinthian church and every other church, otherwise the epistles wouldn't have been written, and is very evident in the church today, is the word discipleship. Discipleship is that I have decided as a way of life, uh, my goal isn't to be a super Christian. I'm still frail. I'm still a fumbler. I still make a lot of mistakes. I am not uh, holier than thou. But in my heart of hearts, I am saying as I get up in the morning, all through the day, as I go to bed at night, Lord, I want to love you with all of my heart. All of my soul, all of my mind. And when that happens, there are changes that happen in my life. It infiltrates and it goes into every area of my life. It goes into my finances. It goes into my sexuality. It goes into my goals. It goes into how I think about people. It goes into the way I drive. You know, my wife has a big problem with, uh, she calls them hoggers. They get in the fast lane and they just go slow. Hoggers. Well, she lets them know. I mean, I don't do that. But she uh, lets them know that they're hoggers and we've got to get them out of the way. Whatever it takes. But the scripture says we should bless the hogger and not curse the hogger. Well, that's a little too personal. It gets into the what I eat, what I drink. It gets into... Um, how I deal with you, how I live, what are my uh, goals and my passions and it all. It infiltrates every aspect of our life, all. David T. Moore used to say, what does all mean? It means all. All is all it means. All means all. That's all it means. <laughs> uh, we don't have this straight. We don't. I don't. I'm just beginning to figure this out, that it really means all. It means the areas that I don't want God to step into. It means the areas that are secretive. It means the bad habits. Oh, this is sounding like legalism, but it's not. Do you see, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at me. But Jesus is saying that that is the commission. It's not a, an option. It's a mandatory. It's a command. You want to be a disciple? That's no super Christian. You don't have to be a theological giant. Just would you please decide that to love me? Increasingly as a way of life, every moment of every day with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And guess what? When that happens, it will impact your neighbor. I think a lot of people have a hard time sharing their faith because they don't love themselves. They're caught up on their own hang-ups. And they're so preoccupied with fix me first that we don't seem to reach out in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our trauma, and go to transparency. I am going through a struggle. I am really wrestling with this, whether I'm in high school, whether I'm in college, whether I'm a mother or a father or a senior citizen. I'm really wrestling with this. And I'm finding, as I begin to place my heart, to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, 
I'm just letting you know that's what's helping me to get through it. Could I do that? Could you do that? Could we do that? Could that be a way? Uh, could people actually, uh, when people look at a Christian, they say that's just another person with a little kind of religious frosting <laughs> on them. Uh, but a disciple is one who is really, 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 really sold out. An apprentice. I believe that discipleship is that which is missing in the church today. Uh, the church today would like it to be an easy fix. You know, get zapped by Jesus, make your lower liver quiver, and out of that you're going to be an instant disciple better. You're going to be like spiritual. Well, I've never had my lower lip quiver. I never had a liver quivering liver. Do you see the quick fix isn't it? It's never been it. It's a, it's a process. It's a decision that I make today, and it's a decision that I make uh, this afternoon. It's a decision I make tomorrow. I've come to Christ. I walk in Christ. I love him with all of my heart, with all my soul, all my mind. Is discipleship a way of life? Of course, it is for you. It is for me. When I entered the Navy, I committed to the Navy. And I committed to the flight program. And so I went through 200 hours of fixed-wing and fixed-wing training, including instrument training. I am rated IFR, VFR, uh, fully instrument rated, carrier qualifications, but I wasn't ready for my mission yet. I then learned how to fly helicopters, and then I got my wings, and I went to San Diego, and I learned how to fly the helicopter. I flew in the fleet, but I wasn't ready for my mission yet. I was an apprentice under training. I was learning. I, I didn't really enter my mission until I went to Vietnam. Uh, football. Football. You guys know football, don't you? That's a big thing. There are disciples of football. Europe may be a disciple of football. You know all the football players, all the football teams. You know all of their stats and you know who's going to win, who's going to lose. And man, I can't wait to see football. You're a disciple. Football. Football. Are you ready for some football? Well, Monday night, Sunday. I, wherever you put your focus and your time is what is discipling you. So this is not a foreign concept. It isn't like I'm introducing something new. My wife is a nurse. She went through four years of nursing. And uh, she's on the job training all the time. Works in radiology and she, you know, any profession you're in. Going to school, uh, working somewhere. You could be working at Arby's. You're a disciple. McDonald's. Have it your way. <laughs> you're a disciple in anything you travel. So even marriage. Why would marriage be an issue? Even if you're single. What if you decided to be, as a single guy, a guy who says, I'm going to love the Lord my God, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and trust that God someday would be with the right person in my life. In the meantime, may I uh, treat other people as you would treat them, Lord? Believe me, that's the kind of guy that most gals are looking for. What if you were that gal that was single and saying, I am so alone, I'll just take the first guy that comes along, and you do, and you regret it. But what if you say, I want to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all of my might, and I want to then love other people as a way that God would love them. This is big. In marriage, in our home, why would Christ liking himself to be the bride um, uh, groom and us be the bride? Marriage is a perfect example of this. Holy Trinity. 
And watch what happens here. You see, as I, me, in the corner there, love God and Christ has pulled me to him, that's God the Son. Now I have a love for you. And I want to reach you, but I can't because you think I'm a Jesus freak. So I have to count on the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, please give me the word. Show, help me to see that, have this person. By the way, nations means ethnic groups. All nations, all over the world, but ethnic groups that are right here. Help me love them as you do. You are the paraclete, the parallel line. Come alongside. I need you. I need you to love these people so that they can see your love. So there's the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And uh, by the way, the Father always is drawing people to himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why it's in the Great Commission. Obey, teach. Well, pretty important stuff. Uh, by the way, the previous pastor I worked with back at Bear Creek said, you know, most people would just as soon be the mediocre person. Because the mediocre person is always at their best. They're never wanting to change. Always at their best. Is that what you want to be? Two choices, mediocre or literally sold out, committed. Not a fanatic per se, other than I'm evaluating me. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm not here to point a finger. There's too much that needs to be changed in me. That's discipleship. But as those changes happen, I can share with you those changes, and then I can show you and lead you and help you. That's discipleship. It's missing in the church today. Well, um... What's involved? I'm going to put together a class. You can be looking for it in October. It'll happen at the 930 hour. So you could actually come to that because you come to church, you know, either the first or second service. And in between, you can come to this class. And uh, I think as a staff, we feel so strongly about it that we'd like everybody to be on the same page. And these are some of the questions I'll be asking myself as well as you. What's involved in being a disciple? You know, if I'm going to do this, I've got to find out what's, what's involved. What is the cost of this? Actually, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote the book, Cost of Discipleship, and a uh, um, terrific book in the midst of Nazi Germany. He saw easy grace. Now, though the question is not what is the cost of discipleship, what's that? What's the cost of non-discipleship? What's the cost if I decide to be mediocre? What's the cost if I decide just to say, gee, that was nice, George, I enjoyed that and like your new outfit. But no change. Well, what does it mean to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind? They're different, you know. And then how could I love my neighbor or do I care? Now, these are questions you have to ask yourself. So think about it. Second area is why aren't most Christians disciples? You see, the, the implication of Christian is disciple. There's no delineation. It was never intended to be separate. To be a Christian means to be a disciple. Where's the breakdown? What gets in the way? If you let it. It's pretty important to know this stuff because if you really want to work it, I mean work on it, you can. You will find a much freer life. Uh, Galatians speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, stuff that you don't have by nature that God would give you. Wouldn't you like to at least give it a shot? Wouldn't you like to say, let's open the treasure chest and see, but let's find out what's in the way 
of keeping me from opening this? And the last area is uh, how are disciples made? What are the tools that uh, God's given us um, to work through the things that get in the way? Well, I hope that's of interest to you because that's the content of the class. And that's coming up in October and that's to be announced. So let me conclude with these two comments and then I want to share a song with you and then I want to teach it to you and then I want you to sing it with me. God loves you and me too much to leave us alone. You understand the drawing card is his grace and his love. It isn't the condemning bony finger. Although he may be convicting you, he may be uh, challenging you. I hope he is. I hope we never find ourselves uh, comfortable in, in being a believer. I don't believe we were supposed to this side of heaven. He loves you too much to leave you alone. That's the good news, because he's always wanting to draw us there if, we're, if we'll cooperate. The bad news is that uh, God will do whatever it takes to get through to us. It may be uh, heavy discipline. It may be jail time. It may be accountability. It may be awfully embarrassing that happens, but I want you to know it's something that he uses. It might be tragedy. doesn't mean that you're non-spiritual. Ted Lord, one of the founding families, Ted and Catherine, they lost their son last week. John. John Lord died at Lake Powell, 67 years old, great health. That is something that he has to surrender and find the strength and the comfort and the encouragement, not only from the Lord personally, Jesus Christ, but others. Do you see this is the body of Christ working together? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you, me, uh, I'm not here for me anymore. This is called a discipleship. Oh, are you up for it? We're going to close with a song. Um, it is uh, up on the board. And uh, when we first started the church years ago, um, I was also the, the music department. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty bad. But would you stand, please, and we will uh, sing this little song. It's called Jesus, Lord to Me. I used to have my guitar. I had my harmonica. I had the monkey with the cymbals. And that's how we, uh, you know, took the offering on street corners. Jesus, Jesus, Lord to me, Master, say your prince of peace, ruler of my heart today, Jesus, Lord, to me. Got it? Sing it with me, would you? Jesus, Jesus, Lord, to me. Master, Savior, Prince of Peace, ruler of my heart today, Jesus.
says, Lord, to me. One more time. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, to me. Master, Savior, Prince of Peace, Ruler of my heart today, Jesus, Lord, to me. Lord, we are so grateful that you love us enough that you will never leave us alone. And you will do whatever it takes to get through, for indeed you want us to be a disciple. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that's never committed their life to Christ, never even stepped into the picture, and still going around in the triangle of me, myself, and I, but you're getting tired of it. In fact, you're really, really tired of it. And you know deep inside there's something really, really gone, really missing. Would you, in the quiet of your heart, as God is just saying, let go. Turn your life over to me. Would you simply say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to fill me. In the same breath, I want to say thanks. Not because I deserve it. None of us deserve it, but because this is how you love. This is what you do, and you do it the best. No one else can do this. But, Lord, now I don't want to just sit soaking sour. I want to be a disciple. I want to, as a decision of my heart, every moment of every day, and it's going to take me time. I know you're patient with me. You always have been. I want to, though, Lord, love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. And I really believe that as I do that, you will allow me to love myself, but more than that, love others as I love myself. That's a good deal. May the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, send you in his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to have our prayer folks up here. love to pray with you on any issue. So thanks for being here. Uh, come back and get in God's word. Thanks.